listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm delightful as always, Jeff. <laughs> you. I, I've said this before, but it's not up to you to claim you're, you're delightful. Well, I, I think a, you are. But... I'm a delight to myself. Yeah. Uh, I can't speak for anyone else. You know? <laughs> well, it's I'm, not in my business what people think about me. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm delighted to be here too. So <laughs> today we're going to be digging into a pretty interesting topic, one that's near and dear to almost everybody's heart. You know, Man, I guess, anybody yeah. in business is uh, is trying to recruit. I mean, yeah, we, we know... Um, uh, I, I think uh, whether you're a business owner or manager, or frankly, employee, everybody these days knows that there's a war for talent out there that has been projected for a while. Like I feel like I've been hearing about this since I was a kid that yeah. it was going to be like it was coming. Yeah, and I feel like it just happened. Like, it, it, or it, it certainly like, increased. Yeah, there's a yeah. right switch moment with the pandemic. I'm really looking forward to diving into this uh, topic with today's guests. So. Yeah, absolutely. So joining us today is Jerry Bernhardt. Jerry is the principal of Bernhardt Associates Executive Search. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Jerry. Uh, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Jerry. And look, uh, what is you? I, I know you've been. Uh, uh, I don't want to say you've been in, in this business forever, but you've been in it a while. <laughs> so why don't you uh, maybe give our listeners a bit of background? Uh, the the Who's Jerry elevator pitch, if you will. Happy to. So i i started uh, i I started recruiting in uh, the marketing space, which is what I do, uh, back in the uh, late eighties when uh, direct marketers ruled the earth, direct mail, catalog, and the like, right? And um, started off working with uh, a lot of direct mail service companies, your data providers, things of that nature, technology companies. And then uh, started moving on to the uh, client side, which would, you know, mailers, large financial services firms like, you know, MasterCard and MBNA, American Express, all those, and uh, catalog companies. And then um, the dawn of the internet came along and I pretty much uh, jumped on that train because I, I saw the future. I really did. I just felt the internet was going to just take over the world. And there was going to be a, a, a huge need for marketers who understood that channel. So I started getting heavy into that. Golly, late, late 90s. I even had my own website. I had a website called directmarketingcareers.com, which I launched in what, 97? It was one of the first few specialized job posting sites um and one of the and it may have been the only one in marketing at the time although that was um ended up doing it was more than just marketing i had clients posting for all kinds of things operations and analytics and whatnot but uh the title was directmarketingcareers.com so it's supposed to be mostly marketing and it and for the most part it was and during its heyday I think I had 600 companies posting on this thing. It was amazing. And, um, and that was back, you know, when the internet, commercial internet was really in its infancy. I ran that for about five, six years. And at the same time was going, you know, 90 miles an hour doing my recruiting business. So I really, I wore both hats for a number of years and um, decided to kind of focus more on the recruiting side, uh, which I don't regret because um Companies like Hot Jobs and Monster, you know, they were big in those days and they were pretty much just handing me my lunch. I mean, you know, running a website like that uh, involves a tremendous amount of investment, time, dedication. 
while my uh, search business was really starting to take off. So I thought, I'm going to just focus on one or the other. And so that's what I did. I kind of let that go away. But it was fun. I really, uh, I'm probably the only recruiter in the marketing space that I've ever run into that actually ran his own website uh, for that many years. Launched it, ran it. Um, so good experience, even though it was a long time ago. Um, so in the early 2000s, things began to really pick up, obviously, with e-commerce and the online world. Uh, I wrote a book about well, how long has it been now? I guess six, seven years ago on careers in e-commerce and digital marketing. And at its peak, it was selling pretty well. It was the first book of its kind. It was kind of meant to it was it was designed for um, marketers earlier in their career trying to figure out, all right, well, what's this all this talk about the e-commerce and trying to give them a sense for the opportunities that uh, existed and that lay ahead. And um, uh, these days, you know, e-commerce, of course, being such an important part of everything we do in business. But at the end of the day, I'm really a marketing guy. I mean, you know, I was placing CMOs and heads of marketing, and that's that's always kind of been my bread and butter. Although lately, in recent years, most of the calls have been coming in for e-commerce, which has been a main focus of what I do. I work with agencies, I work with brands, I work with startups, I work with Fortune 50s, I work with every kind of company you can imagine. Uh, I prefer working with smaller firms, though, because I, I, you know, I have a direct access to the C-suite, which is great. I can talk to the founders and the owners, and, and in many cases, I, and I don't do this at the moment, I hope to resume, but I'd go out and meet them and sit down, and we'd work up organizational charts and job descriptions, and you can't do that with the CEO of Dow Chemical, you know, so... <laughs> Well, you've uh, you've got me convinced on the, both the, your uh, credentials and the longevity in the space. I mean, you've seen a massive evolution in the dynamic for competition for marketing talent. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, am I am I right in saying that it seems like everything changed again with COVID? Well, yeah. You know what it did was accelerate things. I mean, it just brought forward. You know, look what's been going on with, I mean, most of my e-commerce clients had record years in 2020 and they're having great years this year. So it just kind of brought everything forward is what it did. It also brought forward this whole work from home thing, which is becoming enormous. Um, And if there's any one major sea change, that's it. I mean, I was placing people work from home 20 years ago. I was placing analysts. You know, statisticians and modelers, which were very hard to find back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when um, everything was becoming so data driven and um, all the marketers I was working with, uh, most of them, it seemed, uh, you know, were trying to build up their analytic capabilities. If they weren't outsourcing it, then they were trying to hire someone internally. And um, back then, I remember placing a few people that were uh, remote. Because uh, they were individual contributors, you know, the kind of the green shade guys, you know, just crunching the numbers, doing their work. Uh, they didn't have to manage anyone. Um, they uh, didn't have to worry about, you know, uh, being polished presenters. You know, they were just crunching the analytics and presenting the results. And um, but uh, these days, um, yeah, that's really starting to change, as we all know. Uh, in fact, um I uh, did a survey on LinkedIn about when was it? A couple of months ago, uh, and I and I asked in my poll, uh, I said, 
Would you even consider a role if it didn't have a work from home or some kind of a hybrid uh, arrangement? Fully half of them said they probably wouldn't look at it. And that's, that's huge. I mean, that's just enormous. And I've seen other uh, surveys and polls and reports that pretty much say the same thing. Anywhere from like 40% plus uh, won't even look at a role unless it is um, offsite to some extent, you know, whether it's hybrid or uh, remote full time. It's been an interesting uh, dynamic around the remote work from home in terms of its impact on on salaries. I've, I've seen some interesting uh, uh, studies suggesting that uh, basically there's an expectation that there may be a downward pressure on salaries in urban centers and upward elsewhere, kind of a an equalizing, if you will, of um, uh, of salary expectations because location isn't as important anymore. I guess, are you seeing indications of that? Not really. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter where they are. Talent is talent. And a lot of these people are very hard to find. And you have an experience like B2B, for example, you know, get an experienced B2B e-commerce leader uh, who has, you know, all the components you're looking for. Uh, a lot of those roles are very transformational. Uh, they involve change. Um, they involve, um, you know, the requirement to be an influencer. And I could go on and give you a list a mile long, you know, about all the things that these candidates need to have. So whether they're in a city, you know, or in some small country town, um, they're going to get paid um, uh, what the market will bear. And most of the placements I've made in the last couple of years, I'm seeing, you know, no significant decrease in compensation. If anything, um, I'm seeing them go up. Go up. I mean, they've always slightly gone up over the years, obviously. Of course, yeah. But I, yeah, I, uh, I, people just aren't, most people just aren't going to settle for a lateral move. You know, they're looking for a move up and the ones that are good. Now we're talking about, you know, the cream of the cream, right? I mean, they're the ones, and those are the ones I'm after. Those are the ones I try to recruit in place. Um, you know, they can command a very competitive salary uh, as well as a bonus. Um, so I'm not seeing any, any, um, any trend toward uh, their willingness to step back, uh, depending on where they happen to live. Yeah, the suggestion there, I may have phrased it wrong. It's not so much a salary decrease, so much as like um, it would be, it's going, you know, this notion that some roles, um, you know, when they're in downtown New York City command, mm -hmm. you know, 300,000, and when they're in uh, State College, Pennsylvania, it's 150, you know. Oh, cost of living and things uh, of that nature. Yeah, yeah. And, and the projection was that there's going to be a bit of a, um, equalizing out of that over time because work, re work, remote work scenarios kind of uh, change that dynamic, I guess. Well, yeah, I guess um, if I were going to place somebody who lives in Omaha versus somebody who lives in New York City, <laughs> chances are the one in New York City is going to command a, a higher uh, uh, wage just because of cost of living. But if you iron all that out, if you take that out of the equation, I guess it's kind of the best way to look at it, right? All things being equal, right? Um, they're still going to get market level comp wherever they may be. But yeah, I mean, you make a point if you're in a very high cost of living location like San Francisco. Uh, yeah, uh, you're, there's no question that you're going to get a higher um, you're going to get a higher salary because the cost of housing is just it's incredible, you know, versus uh, someplace in the middle of the Midwest. One thing I'd like to kind of dive a bit into here is this notion of you know, I think a lot of um, uh manufacturers that we speak to um, some of the marketers will say you know they, 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 maybe it's not the sexiest category 
in some instances for marketers. There's sometimes a sense that, hmm. um, you know, marketers prefer B2C over B2B. We've all heard that kind of narrative. And, right. um, and, and, uh, and then, of course, when they look at man, the manufacturing side of, of B2B or industrial uh, marketing, sometimes can um, decode as a bit, a bit less sexy to some as well. I guess I'd be... I'd be curious. I mean, as these manufacturers and they're they're in this war for talent like everyone else. I guess they are, and absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and I, I want to get your advice for them specifically. Like, they're not in a, you know, if they don't think they're in a sexy industry or in a sexy category, how do they compete for the sexy talent, if you will? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, when I do a when I'm when I'm engaged in a B two B search, and I do a lot of B two B. I'm looking for candidates who already have that background. So to them, it's sexy. You know, they've been in it, been there, done that, been around the block. Many of them have uh, stood up e-commerce businesses, digital marketing businesses with B2B companies. That's what they enjoy. They're good at it. Um, I have no trouble attracting them to another B2B opportunity as long as it uh, fits in with whatever their career goals may be. And uh, provided the company, of course, is presenting a compelling opportunity for someone. Um, now, maybe getting someone who's a B2C candidate, let's say, who's been selling consumer products their whole life, you know, uh, they may not view a B2B opportunity as being, you know, quote unquote, sexy enough. But then I'm not really looking for those candidates because B2B candidate, B2B, um, you know, there are, as we all know, uh, that's kind of a special breed. And, um, and, and, and those that do it and those that do it well and have experience with it. Um, I, uh, I, I, what's interesting is I think about this, um, most of the B2B people that I know, um, don't really have a great desire to go back to B2C if that's where they came from, you know? Oh, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, I see that all the time. Right. So your advice to manufacturers is basically get comfortable in your own skin. There's people that think you're just fine. Absolutely. It's not about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. You don't need to go find somebody from Zappos. You know, it's not who you want anyway. You know. Yeah, that experience is certainly it's very specific. <laughs> you know, um, I want to I want to go back to something you were talking about just a moment ago about you know people wanting to have that hybrid option or, you know, full work from home or, or, or remote, uh, remote capability. Are you finding that to be a tough sell at all with the C-suite that you're working with in order to convince them that they have to do that? Or are they, they, they've got it. They understand. I'm not trying to convince them that they have to do that. As a matter of fact, um, I just had a conversation with uh, someone. When was it? Friday. Uh, they're looking for a VP, uh, first ever VP hire. This is not a really big company either. It's, I don't know, 50, 60, $70 million. And they want to take it to well over a hundred and they have, they have a roadmap. They have their growth plans laid out and they need a pretty senior person to help them get there. And we, we talked about this and I said, you know what? I, I'm really not a big fan of having people at that level uh, who need to grow these companies and, and manage large staffs and do all the things they have to do um, on a remote basis. Now, I'm probably going to get a little pushback on that because there are people out there uh, at this level who are doing it and doing it well. And, you know, they go back and forth to wherever they're going. 
but um, I, uh, I'm, I'm a little, I don't know, maybe I'm a little old school in that regard. I think at certain levels, particularly um, at the VP level and up, um, I think um, you're just, there's an on-site dynamic. The, just remember, the, these roles, high-level marketing, particularly e-commerce, digital marketing, are highly collaborative by definition, right? So you're not just working with the staff that's reporting up to you and, and managing and then uh, working with the C-suite, but you're dealing all across the organization, you know, with finance and product and uh, human resources and operations. I mean, you think about the, the high level of collaboration involved. I, um, as someone who's kind of observing this from the outside looking in, I, I just question, you know, there are some who can do it, but I just think you'd be a whole lot more effective uh, being on site, working with people. And not only that, these are, in many cases, these are, as I mentioned before, transformational roles. By definition, these people are coming in and they're changing the direction of how a company goes to market. I don't know. To me, I, I just think it, it's, it's a much more challenging job to do that um, remotely. Um, and again, there are some that are doing it well. But so, uh, no, I don't. To answer your question, I don't convince companies to do that at all. I give them my suggestion. I give them my advice. In this case, that was my advice. They happen to agree with me. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's bit.ly slash sample ABM. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting, challenging question to answer because you know inevitably if you've managed a team before or or been in business a while, you have a bit of a you have some self-reference criteria you're bringing to this conversation. Yeah. Um, uh, and and not only that, you, you bring up a good point. If someone has not done this on a remote basis before, it's problematic. Yeah, you know, it it just takes a special individual to be able to do that, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, you know, I've been working remote for 30 years. I've had my own my own thing. I've been doing my own shtick, but I'm used to it. I'm disciplined. I know how to do it. I know what it takes. But if you haven't done that before uh, and all of a sudden you're kind of thrust in that environment, sometimes sometimes that can be a challenge. And, and at the higher levels, you can't afford to stumble. <laughs> you just can't. Yeah, there needs to be at the very least uh, the optics that you know what you're doing. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. She kind of indicated at the start of the conversation that it was really, you kind of viewed the internet and e-commerce specifically as driving a, a, a requirement for, for marketing talent that understood the channel. And overall, um, you know, it's been an interesting shift in the world of marketing. Agency life is very different now. Um, the notion of, you know, uh, the idea of, of, of agency life being radio print tv i mean that's gone um <laughs> yeah. uh, i guess just overall uh, from a, a demand for marketing talent um i guess is it is it maybe higher now than it was a few years ago and where do you see it going in the next two to three years is the are, are we at peak demand for marketing talent or have we ain't seen nothing yet we ain't seen nothing yet <laughs> that's my opinion you know marketing 
is the rocket fuel that drives business. Kind of always has been, but now think about it. There's, there's just a jillion more channels and platforms than we had 20 years ago. Does marketing make a bigger difference? Absolutely. There is going to be channels and platforms that we haven't even thought of yet. The, the metaverse and all this stuff we're hearing about, you know, that'll be a, probably a whole new opportunity for advertisers. I mean, there's things to come we can't even comprehend. Uh, technology has turned marketing on its head. It really has. And, and, and perhaps, you know, thinking back 20 years ago, um, you know, looking at the skills marketers needed to have back then, well, now you have so much more that's, I mean, just look at the world of marketing automation, all these different specialized applications, um, you know, marketing. This is a golden era for marketers. And I, I was probably saying that 20 years ago, <laughs> but it, it, it's, it certainly is the case now. No question about it. I don't know where it's going. I think if I knew where it was going, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I'd be, I'd be touring the world, lecturing corporations on how to staff their marketing departments for the future. Because uh, there's so many things that we can't even imagine. I mean, who would have thunk the internet 30 years ago, right? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we truly hope that this episode of The Cooling <laughs> is your jumping off point. Yeah. To, <laughs> to become vast... this world authority. Yeah, yeah right. vast right. success. I mean, I, exactly. I can't see how it could go any different. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Honestly. But <laughs> I mean, that, that is pretty interesting, though, because you have seen, you know, I think when we spoke before, you said you've seen four recessions. You know, yeah, you, you've yeah. seen a plethora of changes in the types of work that marketers do. I mean, good luck finding a direct mail executive in this day and age, although I'm sure there are some. They're in um, huge demand. That's really? the channel companies are starting to just don't even get me started on that yet. But um, I don't know about you, but I'm getting more mail in my mailbox. And it's it's because, you know, it's targeted. It's personalized more than ever before. And it's a channel that, you know, unlike email, you know, you're not getting a thousand of them a day. I mean, direct mail is kind of, it, it's really enjoying something of a rebirth. And I'm glad to see it because I was a big part of that for a long, long time. And um, so, but that's a whole other discussion, but that's another <laughs> channel. Again, again, uh, di digital natives don't have a lot of exposure to that. You know, they just don't, they've grown up with the internet. Um, I'm hoping more and more kind of discover it and realize that, Here's, here's just another channel. So again, you talk about the, the, the scope of what marketers have to do these days. You know, we've been talking about internet and e-commerce. Well, there's still direct mail, direct, direct response. There's uh, advertising, there's events, there's PR. It's multidimensional, you know. You've got, I, I tell you something, um, I have so much respect uh, for today's marketers because of so much that they're re responsible for and the ones who do it well, to me, they're magicians. They really are. And, and just look at some of the work they do and some of the companies we know and respect and how these brands have taken over the world. I, I don't know. It's exciting to be a part of it. I really like your uh, notion that marketing has never been more important and in some ways never been able to drive more impact to organizations. I think that's a message that a lot of marketers listening to this will uh, uh, I guess they maybe do to hear it a little bit because yeah. I mean, we live in a world where, you know, it's funny we talk about this war for marketing talent, which is fine, fine to talk about. And then we also talk about the fact that the average tenure of a CMO is like, what, is it less than a year now or something? I mean, my goodness. Well, not quite that much. No. And I actually, I've, I've, act, I've done some research on this myself, not recently, 
Um, I remember doing a study, it was about 10 years ago uh, for the Direct Marketing Association to find out how long direct marketers stay on their jobs. And I think back then it was something like around, I don't know, two and a half, three years. That certainly has been compressed. Um, I would say CMOs, um, you know, that, I mean, they have a lifespan of probably something on the order of three plus years, three, four years. But at the lower levels, <laughs> I mean, I look at resumes and, uh, you know, they look like an Aerosmith rock tour. And I mean, that's becoming, <laughs> that's, be, that's becoming very common among lower level uh, talent. And it's not going to change. And um, there are two reasons for that. Number one, the business is moving so fast. Business is moving so quickly. Things change that if companies don't keep up um, for whatever reason, and there are a lot of reasons for that, um, you know, these candidates are going to look around and go, well, I, I don't want to sit here and stagnate. Uh, I, need to, I need to be someplace where I can learn and grow and expand my knowledge and my know-how and my impact. The other reason is money. Companies are throwing a lot of money at these young people and, you know, you're going to make a lot more money jumping from company A to B to C to D than staying with the company you're at for the next five years. You know, I mean, it's simple economics, supply and demand. So um, I'd say at the higher levels, they tend to stick around a little longer. I think they, they tend to stick around if they have the choice. I mean, the narrative that I hear is that uh, just the performance pressure on CMO is being greater than ever. Oh, absolutely. Being treated as a oh, bit expendable. Yeah. Um, the the yeah. first one to be fired kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, uh, which is an interesting way to treat talent that's hard to find. Oh, you mean at that level? Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, <laughs> yeah, d d don't get me started on that. I, I you know, um, that, that often has to do with, you know, company, private equity, the owners and where they want to take the business. And, you know, it's, it, again, Things change and move so quickly. A, a, a C-level marketer or a high-level marketer joining a business today, that business could be vastly different two years from now. And they never would have known it going in. You know, uh, there's a lot of things that are just out of their control. So no fault of theirs. And the good news for them, is there's plenty of opportunity out there. They're all, you know, everyone I know, they're interviewing, they're landing opportunities, uh, plenty of jobs. Um, but um, it, it, things just move so quickly. Things change so much. Uh, when I first started, uh, I think the CMO lifespan was probably more like, I don't know, five, six years. I'm talking back in like the late 80s, early 90s, right? Um, so uh, yeah, yeah. From that from that perspective, we're, we live in a much different world. Do you think that there's anything that, I mean, obviously for us, our, our core audience here is manufacturers, but do you think that there's anything that, you know, manufacturers and, and other organizations can do to um, set themselves up for success to hang on to this talent a little longer? You know, yeah, think about that for a moment. Um, I mean, um, it's really all, I tell you, it's all about cultural fit. It's all about the cultural fit. And I'd say the best way to hold on to talent longer is to hire the right talent to begin with. That's what I really tell everybody. And again, it's not about the tools or software they happen to know, because that's going to change from company to company and smart people can learn that stuff. Where, where hires fall apart, it, it has to do with uh, the culture. And, and, and for example, um, I just placed a head of e-commerce with a concrete company of all things, a construction firm that makes concrete. 
And uh, my my and so my biggest concern was she's going into a company where I'm sure a lot of the senior people they've been there forever. They were probably high school buddies. And here comes this outside lady who's gonna you know shake up marketing. Well, who does she think she is? You know, we've been doing the same thing for the last 40, 50 years. So they they have to be they have to have open minds. They have to understand that she's there to help move the business forward just like they are. And um, they have to uh, understand that in order for her to be successful, they have to welcome her into their culture. Uh, and, 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 the, and the candidate, uh, by the same token, needs to look at this environment and say, can I work with these people? And is this the kind of culture that I'm going to be comfortable with? I spend half the time when I qualify candidates strictly on culture. Because that that's going to make the that's going to make the hire, right? And um, usually that's where these things. And when companies, excuse me, when candidates call me when they're looking, uh, you know, they're unhappy in their role. They want to start exploring other opportunities. Um, most always, it has to do with the environment of the company, the way I'm managed, uh, the direction it's going in, the way they treat people, uh, their philosophy. Uh, their management style, things of that nature. So all I can say is that spend a lot of time um, probing cultural fit when you're hiring a candidate. And I think on the back end, you'll find that your hires will be, um, uh, you know, they'll they'll have a much higher uh, stick rate. I think that's a fantastic parting advice. I mean, I feel like we could talk about the dynamics of recruiting for the next hour and we would still not be <laughs> even uh, halfway through the discussion, but uh, it's been a fascinating conversation, Jerry. Thank you for sharing it with us uh, today. Yeah. And I, and if anybody has any questions, I mean, I, I have a whole line of questioning that I ask candidates and employers when I'm probing for this kind of thing. Uh, anyone can, they're more than welcome to reach out. And I'm happy to share my experience and wisdom with anyone that I can help. So I'm kind of at the point in my career where it's kind of give back time. You know what I mean? I want to help as many people as I can, particularly companies like manufacturers, construction companies, these quote unquote older school organizations that need to, you know, digital transformation is something they, they really need to get on board with. Not easy to do. You know, it's a real challenge, uh, especially when it comes to the technology and, um, you know, the, the way they've been doing business with their customers for so many years. Um, there are, um, there are a lot of things they need to be thinking about when they're interviewing candidates that, um, that, um, you know, can come in and really make a difference in the business. Um, and I, and a lot of them don't have that experience. They haven't hired these people. You know, I mean, this is all kind of new to many of them. Um, and there, there are some things you don't know what you don't know. So in any way I can help, I, I, I love doing it. That's fantastic. And we'll link up your uh, LinkedIn profile on the uh, podcast page as well. And people can feel free to reach out to you if they have questions. But uh, I really want to thank you for uh, sharing your advice today, Jerry. It's, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks very much for letting me talk about it. It's something I really love and I hope to continue doing it for a long time to come. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. 